Welcome everybody to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett, and on today's episode, we have the amazing Mr. Dr. Bill. That's right, Dr. Bill. He was actually on one of the very original reality TV shows, Extreme Makeover. And in this episode, we dive into leadership skills. Also, we dive into a little bit about how do you get in touch with some of the, the really the rich and the famous uh, from his industry, starting out just in a little humble abode in Beverly Hills. How do you actually go out there and start to bring in clients like Mark Wahlberg, uh, like uh, George Costanza, Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. How do you get these guys to come and start working with you as well? And this is what it's all about. So if you want to find out more, this is the episode for you. And of course, we can help you become a marketing mogul in your industry. Head over to www.marketingmogul.com.au. But until then, let's jump into the show. Dr. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Ah, Kim, I'm so happy. You're in one of my favorite cities. My best, best, best friend, Lisa Scafidi, was your mayor for years. It's such a small world. When you said that, I was like, you're probably not going to, no one ever knows of Perth. And then you're like, yep, been there three times. Know the mayor. I'm like, oh gosh. (laughs) Well, here's the funny thing. I came and I spoke. We, in the U.S., we have dental hygienists. You actually have a position that we don't have. I think you call it a dental therapist or something Mm. that they can do more than a hygienist. They can do fillings and things like that. So at any rate, I was invited to come speak after being on Extreme Makeover to a group of women who were part of this dental therapist community. And they asked their Lord Mayor to introduce me because she had been in dentistry prior to becoming a mayor. I did not even know that. It's such a small world. I was saying, normally most people, Perth is the last place in Australia. They never come and visit. They never pop over here because it's always too far from Sydney and Melbourne. So I'm glad you got to see the west side of Australia for sure. Well, and I'll tell you something else. You know, we're going to talk about my LEAP Foundation. It's a motivational leadership program for high school and college kids. Every year, Lisa orchestrates at least 80 kids from West Australia to come to UCLA and participate in our week-long program. So I know tons and tons of kids who uh, come from your your neck of the woods. Such a small world. And now you've mentioned a few things already. You've been on some amazing TV shows, obviously, and you're in the dental industry and you've got some foundations. But if I met you at a party and I said, Dr. Bill, what is it that you actually do? What's your usual go-to answer? I make people smile. (laughs) I love it. And when you say that, obviously you've been doing, how long have you been now in the dental industry? I have been a cosmetic dentist since 1983. So 37 years. It's a solid effort. Kim, you want to hear something funny? Yesterday I did a TV show and they ran some questions by me. So my assistant, Nicole said, Hey doc, you should go through these questions because they want to make sure you're cool with them. So her second question was, hey, Dr. Bill, you're one of the most famous cosmetic dentists in the world. That I'm like, what do you mean one of? I am the most. (laughs) I said that to my assistant kind of jokingly, right? So when we were live on air, 
the host says, so Dr. Bill, you're the most famous cosmetic dentist. And I just had the bus stop. I'm like, I was only joking. <laughs> well, hey, now it's true. It's been on TV, so it's, it can't yeah. be refuted, right? It must and be by true. the way, your tallest poppy thing is a crock of shit. <laughs> it's horrible. It is the worst part of Australian culture. 100%. I think tall poppies. What do you what do you think Einstein was? Yeah, you know, what do you Very think true. Martin Luther was? Okay, we won't say Donald Trump, but I mean there are a lot of amazing tall poppies. You guys need to change that thing. Stop chopping down tall poppies. I agree with you 100%. Now, on that, so you just mentioned, right, you've had that attraction to celebrity to the celebrity, you know, cosmetic dentistry. How did you go from just being, you know, when you started out, did you go straight in and go, cool, I'm going to focus on being the best cosmetic dentist for celebrities, for high profile people? Or how did that, that part come about? Because a lot of people, they start in an industry, whatever their business is that they're working on. And then how did you go from that, the most famous celebrity cosmetic dentist from the beginning? Because a lot of times people go, oh, you know, I don't know if I could do that, you know, a bit of helping out. But like, how did that process go from start to then, you know, working with some pretty amazing people? Well, first of all, I was not pursuing a career in treating celebrities. Like that was never part of my, you know, goal list. I wanted to be the best cosmetic dentist I could be. The celebrity thing happened really because of a lot of other factors. Number one, I'm in Century City, which is essentially Beverly Hills, Hollywood. I mean, so they lived there. When I started my practice and I was, you know, young and dumb and ambitious and all that, I was actually dating a woman who worked at the biggest talent agency in, you know, Century City. And so she and all of her friends started coming to me and we were all young and broke. And, and as these people grew in the industry and became more and more powerful and agents and this and that and the other thing, not only did they come to me, but they sent me all their clients. So that's kind of how I got into this whole celebrity thing. In fact, you know, I treated Hugh Jackman and Deborah when they lived in LA. A lot of the agents started sending me their clients. And so that's really how the celebrity thing happened. But to be totally honest with you, I treat every patient like a celebrity. If you come to me and you want me to change your smile, I'm going to put as much time, energy, and effort and dedication into it as if you were the biggest star in the world because you deserve it, you know? And that's why I have nearly 2,000 five-star, you know, reviews on Google. You know, we treat everybody like a celebrity. I really focus on giving my patients what we call gold-plated customer service, you know? And I have read numerous volumes of books on this. I mean, imagine going to Disneyland and seeing Mickey take his head off and smoke a cigarette. That would never happen, you know? And I think a lot of times business owners forget to put themselves in the position of the customer and see what they're seeing. You know, I walk in the front door of my practice, not the back door. 
I walk in the front door because I want to make sure it looks fresh, it looks clean, it looks professional. And we spend a lot of time training with our team to make sure that we are delivering five star service all the time. I think that's so important. And as you mentioned there, you didn't set out to go and attract all those people. You were being the best that you could be. And that led to all these opportunities. And I think that's what everyone needs to, to really take away is that you focus on your customers and you do an amazing job for them. Of course, they're going to send you more people. Of course, they're going to start referring. I'm sure even if you lived in where you live and you had those connections, but you did a bad job, they're not going to just send you referrals because you live in the area, right? They send you referrals because of the amazing job you do. Absolutely. I love that. And then, so tell us a little bit more of the story. So obviously you've gone into cosmetic dentistry, you started working and got to work with some more and more amazing people. But from there, you've kind of used that to, I'm not going to say leapfrog, but you've then gone into some things on, as you mentioned, Extreme Makeover on television and then starting your foundation. Tell us a little bit more of the story and the, some of the transition points there for you. Well, you know, I started practicing cosmetic dentistry and right around... 1990, the first tooth whitening products started hitting the market. And they were just crummy. They weren't good. The flavoring was bad. The packaging was bad. I mean, it just, they came in a plastic baggie. I mean, it was horrid. And even back then, this is 1990, we were charging $800. And, you know, it was really an opportunity that I saw to say, you know, we need to build a better mousetrap. And even the leading tooth whitening company called me and said, hey, Dr. Bill, you know, you sell more tooth whitening product than any other dentist in the world. I said, well, I have you on the phone. I have some ideas for you. And they're like, yeah, you're 29. Shut up. So there's been this recurring theme in my life. Every time I've really committed to philanthropically help or raise money or whatever, something fantastic has come out of it that has made me a lot of money. And this was a time when I was asked to participate in a charity event for children's cancer research. And I ended up meeting a man who not only became my best friend, but became my business partner. And Robert Heyman was the son of Fred Heyman. Fred Heyman created Giorgio Cosmetics and Beverly Hills. Robert had a background in an MBA in marketing and advertising. I knew dentistry. And together we formed Discus Dental, which became the largest tooth whitening company in the world. We grew that company from zero with no investors, just blood, sweat, and tears to over $1.3 billion in sales until we sold it in 2010 to Philips. That's amazing. I love hearing stories like that. And in that journey, obviously you mentioned you started out blood, sweat, and tears. You know, if you were to encapsulate, I know there would probably be hundreds of different points in times and hundreds of different learnings, but what would be for the people out there who are in a similar state, maybe they've started their business and it's a couple years old, they literally got the blood and sweat and tears coming out at the moment. What were some of the learnings that helped you keep pushing through and, and some of the realizations you had along the way? You know, I'm going to jump into leap because there are two principles that I really stress. And, you know, like I said, we get 80 kids from West Australia every year, but the leap foundation is a nonprofit I set up 
where we teach high school and college students the skills that they need to be successful in life. Now, every year we do a summer program at UCLA. Obviously, this year it was a virtual program. Next year it will be live again, hopefully. But there's two things that I try to literally pound into these kids' brains. Number one, when you go out, don't wait for opportunities, make opportunities. Don't wait for things to happen, make things happen. Because if I meet another kid who's waiting for the universe to show them something, I just want to like scream and say, the universe is busy and doesn't care about you. You need to care about you. So don't wait for opportunities, make them. And number two, and this is more important and even more critical. When you do get an opportunity, Kim, don't take it, master it. And there's a big difference. When I got on ABC's Extreme Makeover, I stunk. I was a dentist. I wasn't made for TV. If you watch the first two or three episodes, I'm lucky that ABC didn't fire me. I was horrid. I, it was painful watching me. I had no idea what I was doing. All I knew how to do was drill teeth. But I was smart enough to know how bad I was. So instead of stinking, I took acting classes, hosting classes, teleprompting classes. I worked with a media trainer who trained all the kids on American Idol. And she did mock interviews with me and taught me how to interview. I could do this whole interview without you. I could talk for three hours. I don't even need you, Kim. That's how much media training I have, right? Well, as a result, our company, Discus Dental, first year we did two million, four million, eight million, six. We kind of plateaued at like 76 million. We just, we couldn't break that barrier. The first year I was on Extreme Makeover, we went from 76 million to 101. The next year from 101 to 136, and the next year from 136 to almost $200 million in one year in sales. Did it pay off? Heck yeah. When you obviously got the call to go onto that show, like what was running through your head? Obviously, you would have known and seen some of the other reality shows and whatnot. Did you, was the idea in your head, you're like, cool, this is going to be, a, as you said, no, you know, not taking no, it to master it? Or? You don't understand. There were no reality shows. We were the first. Every single person on Extreme Makeover got paid except me. The hairstylists, the weight trainers, the nutritionists, the plastic surgeons, the Everybody but me. Why? I tell kids at least there will be times in your life that are life-defining moments. Sometimes you plan them, sometimes you don't. This was one. On our pilot episode, I did three Zoom tooth whitening. By the way, I invented Zoom. Not video conference, tooth whitening. Wrong <laughs> Zoom, but still good. <laughs> so on the pilot, I did three Zoom tooth whitenings. The pilot airs, we had huge ratings. ABC gets excited, they buy 22 episodes. Episode number one, my patient needed 20 porcelain veneers, 10 uppers, 10 lowers. The cost for that at the time was 1,500 to two, it was $30,000. I submitted the bill to ABC, they freaked out. 
They're like, Doc, we had no idea that dentistry was this expensive. I said, well, it is. I said, well, what do you want me to do? They said, well, can you do three veneers? I'm like, what, like every other tooth? I'm like, no, I can't do three. And I made a life-defining decision. I said, listen, I'll do all the dentistry for free under the following conditions. Number one, I'm the only dentist. I didn't want them to get a hack on there and people think I did a bad job. Number two, Zoom tooth whitening gets highlighted in every episode. And number three, you need to mention my laboratory, Da Vinci, and say Da Vinci Veneers because I didn't want to get stuck with a $10,000 lab bill and not get paid. They said, fine. That would never happen in reality TV today, ever. The first episodes, I literally would have a patient hold up a mirror looking at their teeth, and on the back of the mirror, it said Zoom tooth whitening. By about episode five, ABC blurred that. By episode seven, they're like, Doc, you need another mirror. You can't even use that one anymore. But, you know, we were the trendsetters. It was the first time. And also, Kim, you have to remember, this was the first time that dentistry was ever highlighted in any kind of positive light. Prior to this, we were always like Marathon Man or Little Shop of Horror. It was bad. So, you know, when you ask me what was the one lesson that I really learned in business, the lesson I learned in business was this. Master it. Look, I learned dentistry. I felt good about dentistry. When Discus Dental started growing, I sat in our board meetings I felt so stupid. I didn't understand basic accounting. I didn't know what EBITDA meant. I couldn't read the charts and the graphs and all that. So instead of sitting there like an idiot, what I do? I went back to school. I took UCLA extension classes and I learned accounting. I learned, you know, business. I learned the things I needed to be more successful. And so many people don't do that. You know, when you get an opportunity, don't take it, master it, and make sure that you're the best version of you that you can be. Look, I'm not an actor. I'm not a movie star. I have no desire to do that. I just wanted to be the best, you know, Dr. Bill I could be on that show. It worked out really well. And so obviously you mentioned that you share that information with those people that come into the foundation and whatnot as well. By instilling some of those keys and some of those, you know, not, I'm not going to say secrets to success, but some of the strategies and the tactics that you've learned over time, what sort of outcomes have you seen the people that have come through that? What sort of outcomes have you seen them achieve by, you know, just taking a little bit of the components that you've learned over the years? You know what? Before I do that, I'm going to take a sidetrack and share something with you. One of the things about Leap that has really warmed my heart is the amount of community support and involvement that I've got. In the past, there's no other program in the world that can say what I'm going to say right now. Here are some of our keynote speakers. Mark Wahlberg, Anthony Hopkins, Eva Longoria, Kathy Bates, Jason Alexander, Paula Abdul, Michael Strahan, Apollo Ono. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. I mean, these people come and speak for free, for free. Because like me, they believe that our future rests in the youth of, of our countries. And, you know, they want to help that, you know, grow and, and support that. I mean, it's really been phenomenal. 
I love that. that. That's amazing. And I think it's always a great indicator. As you say, it's like uh, anyone can hire someone and pay someone to come and speak. But when people do it out of the goodness of their own hearts, then you know that it's going to be making a difference. Right. And the thing that I would say in answer to your original question is one of the things we teach at is called is appreciation. Where do kids learn appreciation today? They don't. Trust me, I've got three of them. They don't, right? So we give them these notes. They're called I appreciate notes. And basically the idea is when anybody comes or speaks or whatever, and you really like what they said, you write, hey, Mark Wahlberg, I appreciate you for coming to leave, spending your time, sharing your wisdom, blah, 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 blah. They sign it, we give it to them, right? Last year, in-person, live program, we had 400 kids attending. 60% of those kids come from really poor families. We go out and raise money so these kids can come to the program. Out of 400 kids, I got 400 I appreciate notes. 99% of those notes said, hey, Dr. Bill, I appreciate you and the LEAP team for putting on this program. It changed my life. And I know it did. Now, I said 99%. 1% of the kids are going to say, hey, Dr. Bill, LEAP saved my life. And I know it did. These kids come in. They come from broken homes. They've got no support. The first thing we do is put these kids in a group with 10 other kids their age for them to be with that whole week. And it's not like a one and done deal. It's not like we do a week and goodbye. We keep those kids in that cohesive group for as long as they'll do it by having their coach. Each group of 10 has a kid who's a coach. And these are kids that have gone through the program. And in fact, you know, on my other brochure, I have more Australian kids. I was going to show you this one, but you know, these coaches participate in the program and they apply to be coaches because they've gone through the program and they've proven to us that they're walking the walk and talking the talk. I love that you bring them back in as well. And obviously there's no better person than someone that's already gone through something to come back and share and, and encourage others. So that's amazing. Now, Dr. Bill, as we get towards the end of our time here together, is there a question that I didn't ask you that I should have? How do you say, yeah, you should say, how do you stay so youthful and handsome at the age of 70? Please give me the hint because I'm uh, probably look older than you and I'm only 32. So fill me in. What's the secret to success there? You know what? I always tell my kids this. You can rest when you're dead. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I've never done drugs. I exercise every day. I eat healthy. And I just did a big layout for GQ magazine at the age of 61. I'm the only 61-year-old dude in the magazine who's shirtless. I love that. And how do you find, obviously, you know, being that you haven't done any of those other things, you wouldn't have noticed the difference. But how do you find your health and physical performance affect your mental performance when it comes to running your companies, growing the foundation and whatnot as well? People don't realize how physically strenuous dentistry is. So I graduated in 1983. 80% of my class is not practicing anymore because they've got back problems, neck problems, eye pro whatever, you know? I didn't start doing fitness because like I wanted to get jacked or that, that wasn't the deal. 
I did fitness because if I didn't, I couldn't practice dentistry, you know? So as a result, you know, I feel good. You know, I feel strong. You know, I run circles around 20 year olds a lot of times. I love that. I think it's hugely powerful. I know I, I definitely slacked off in the early years of business because I sit at a computer all day sitting here doing online advertising and I've definitely slacked off on that side, but I've been getting back into it. So you shot me some inspiration there to make to see how, how fit I can be when I get to that age as well. Now, for anyone that's been listening and they go, cool, I want to find out a bit more about Dr. Bill or a bit more about maybe the foundation as well. Where's the best place for them to, to go online to find out about those things? You know, I'm super active on Instagram. I'm the only dentist in the world with a million followers on Instagram. And believe it or not, I answer all my DMs. So just go to Dr. Dr. Bill, B-I-L-L Dorfman. Also, if you don't mind, Kim, I have a podcast too, and it's done really yeah. well. You know, just because I've been able to interview so many amazing people, we started this podcast and it's a riot. We're number one in Yemen. <laughs> We're number two in Iceland. We're number three in like Greenland. And we're number 94th in a category with 47,000 other podcasts in the United wow. States. Wow. That's amazing. So that was Meet the Mentor podcast. Yeah. Uh, is the, is the, the one. Mentor, just go to the podcast store. You could find it. And I have interviewed great people, you know, Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> Anthony. Everybody I mentioned and more. I love that. So guys, wherever you're listening or watching this, we'll have all the links there to the show notes so you can click through, find out whether it's the foundation, connect with Dr. Bill on Instagram or check out the podcast as well, which I know I saw and had a look at uh, when I saw some of the guests. I was like, oh, I need to up the caliber of my guests uh, to try and keep up because uh, I only just hit the charts in, a, in a Trinidad and Tobago the other day. So I was like, I broke you know, the top 100 over there. So I was very excited. It's always cool to see how these things grow. So again, Dr. Bill, thank you so much for spending your time and sharing some of your wisdom with us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Thanks so much, Jim. And when this whole COVID thing goes away, I come out to visit Lisa in Perth. We'll have to meet face-to-face. -face. I'd love to do that. Definitely. Sounds like a plan. Cheers. All right. Thanks, bud.